You heard the man. It's real. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Derek Brandeo, Jen Rolnick. Sammy McKee. Leafs and the Penguins tonight at an arena that isn't too friendly, JB, where the Leafs are 5, 9, and 3. And even prior to that, that Mellon Arena. Isn't that named after uh, Rodney Dangerfield's character in Back to School? <laughs> what? <laughs> get no respect. <laughs> maybe, maybe that movie's uh, a little too old for you guys, but I think yeah. his name was Melon in it. Melon. Melon Arena. It's a hell of a name. PPG, points per game. That is not what the Leafs achieve when they play in Pittsburgh. I got to admit, like when I played in Pittsburgh, and of course uh, I'm playing Mario Lemieux and Kevin Stevens and... Tockett, Francis. Yeah, Tockett, Francis. Uh, maybe talk not so early. Uh he was still in Philly at the time, but a very hard place to play. I would imagine. And Sid's just taken that role over. And I don't know why, but the Leafs have a ton of issues in Pittsburgh. Well, I think the Lemieux, Yager, Malkin, Crosby, Latang names we're mentioning here seem tied to that for some reason. As uh, Sam McKee likes to say, they rigged the draft for Pittsburgh to continue Correct. having what, greatness. One of, my, one of my favorite all-time Leaf moments, core memories, is I guess would have been at Mellon Arena, Gary Volk scoring against them to put him out of the playoffs, yes. giving Yager the salute, Danny Markov. He gave Yager the salute? Yeah, Danny Markov. What what year? Again, I remember I it. I say but... 97, 98-ish era. Like right before, you know, is that right, Derek? You remember that stuff better than me, the older days. I think it was 97, 98. <laughs> the older days. Yeah, I don't think we, we took a stray. I, I don't think we, we Back turned in the my century. Day when I walked up both, <laughs> yeah. both ways. Yeah, exactly. Well, Sammy. Yeah. How how we think about snow, boys? We ready? No. Yeah. If you're not in Toronto, it's snowing, just so you know. And we didn't even get into the building today because there was a small. Or a big fire. I have no idea. I think someone saw snow outside and just set a towel with it. I'm just blowing up my car. I'm not doing it this winter. <laughs> it's not enough. Yeah, so there was. it was quite a... I got to the building today, and I saw all of my colleagues walking with no jackets in a snowstorm. I was like, what the hell is going on? So it was an eventful day here, yeah. Well, we're glad everybody's up on board here for our, our show today. Later on, uh, Colby Armstrong is going to join us in about, what, uh, 40 minutes. We'll get into greater detail on what the heck he's doing and why he thinks uh, men's league showering oh, is so geez. important. You're, you're fascinated we, we by this shower share. We haven't thing. talked to him since that um, rant he went on uh I don't know. Is it part of the Spit and Chicklets uh, family now? Is he? Is he? Is he, he can tell us. Chicklets, etc. Is he? Is he now in that fraternity? That 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 group of guys now? Can I be honest? It seems like a pretty lucrative one to be in. <laughs> yeah, listen, I love you guys, but I don't think <laughs> my paychecks are getting the bump like Colby's are. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, we're gonna ask him. Uh, we want details into his uh, contract for sure. <laughs> We're going to ask about this contract. Oh, yeah, right. absolutely. Okay. Uh, Steve Larmer in the second hour coming like off of... an energy drink and away we go. <laughs> the guy will do anything for money. We've established that. Steve Larmer in the second hour as well. little kind of trickle Future effect. Future Hall of Famer, Steve Larmer. Hall of Famer, yeah. Maybe we'll get into that. We should. 
I'd love to know if he has a strong opinion. He is part of that list, which I had Sammy draw up, where consecutive game streaks don't really appeal to the Hockey Hall of Fame, unfortunately. You and dropped a hammer on us today with Milan Lucic. Oh, yeah. As a potential Hall of Fame name. Oh. Yeah, uh, there, there's a few of them out there that you could make an argument for. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll get into that later on if we remember. Yeah. So <laughs> tonight, the return of Matt Murray. Sammy, are you as excited for him coming back as you were <laughs> this time of year for Peter Mrazek? Oh, come on. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen. I was overly optimistic about the Matt Murray. I'm thrilled. (laughs) (laughs) The Matt Murray experiment. I was overly optimistic about it. Uh, I went on JD's show the other day and he read my tweet about when it originally happened. So it was not good for me. Let's just say that this whole experiment is not good. I am excited that it's happening again here. That there's This is a compelling matchup now. This is much more compelling than having Shalgren go back there again because I think there's some actual upside. Like yeah. I'm interested to see what they're going to get out of him. It's a big, it's a big night for him. Before we get our uh, our Kippers Clipper going uh, on uh, Sheldon Keefe and his thoughts on Matt Murray, I want to ask you something. That here we are, uh, what 16 games into the season, mm-hmm. and is it almost as if we're starting? the beginning of the regular season with Matt Murray starting tonight and having an opportunity to be the goalie. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, I I think we're all ruined by last year's Mrazic experience because every time he came back, he came back, played poorly. We said, well, he hasn't been playing. Give him a chance to get into it. And then he got hurt. You know, so it it feels to me like Matt Murray's public leash is shorter because we've been through this. It's not his fault, but we've been through it the year before with Mrazic. Still, it is a different person. It is a new chance to begin again, so to speak, for this guy who has a history. I find it really hard to see it just going great. And I'm open-minded and I want it to go great because it's great for our show when the Leafs are good and I want them to go on a run. But it's really hard in my mind to see him, not that he's never going to have good games. I have good games. Shalgren has great games, though. Like, it's, can he put together... A stretch of there's 20 games he plays 14 times and he wins 11 by with a 920. Like, is that going to happen at some point? I'm skeptical. All yeah. right, let's listen uh, to maybe. maybe. <laughs> let's listen to Sheldon Keefe and then we'll pick up uh, your thoughts. Okay. Matt's a professional. He's he's as even keel and uh, confident as they come. And so I, I don't think it's affected him at all. I know he's just accepted the situation for what it is and gotten to work to recover as quickly as he can and be prepared for whenever the time comes to get back in the net, which is tonight. And to me, he looks very prepared. Even keel, pro. Yes. And it kind of just funnels us into the direction that they've wanted all along. They, they... They want this guy to grab the number one. They want his experience. They want to be able to tell people we've got a guy that's been there, done that, and no one else can do that. Shalgreen can't do that. No. Samsonov can't do that. You're right. They are in dire need of this guy to step up as early as tonight and start p- making people believe 
that they knew what they were doing when they brought him in. That's the divide between the GM and the head coach, though, because the GM wants to say, I was right. I knew we had it in him all along. I knew the person's character, and I knew the goalie he could be, and I was right. The coach wants the puck to get stopped. I doubt that there's any loyalty on Keefe's behalf beyond just stop it more than the next guy. No, the whole pro thing and the whole even keel and the confident. He bigs up everyone. No, 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 no. He wants him to go out and, and get it. And, and, and he, I guess there's the pride he, of he's their he, guy from He's junior. on the same page as, as Kyle on this one. Yeah. I, I don't get a, a a divide here. Not that I think he wants him to do poorly, he doesn't, no. you know, or anything. But I just, Dubas has it at stake that it's not just the wins and losses coming up. It's the grander picture. He saw this vision that this guy was going to come in at four over four and a half million dollars, yeah, and solve a problem with that, two cups in his back pocket. Yeah, which you got a cup though, have, and I don't want you on the fourth line for the Leafs. You don't have, you know, Muzzin's gone. The cup's gone now. It's right. It's Matt Murray in there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. You it's know, important. like is it leadership. It's important. A hundred percent. It's it's the calming thing. Okay. Listen, if he can play a stretch of hockey games and be in the dressing room, then I, I'll, I see your point on Murray. That, that's the exact thing that you just said right there. I'm not, worried, I'm not worried really about his performance at this point of the season. I don't know how much worse he's going to be than Shalgren is. Yeah, is he going to be an 880? I'm no. sorry, but Shalgren... Like, made some saves. We, we got to give that kid some love, by the no, way. No, no, a ton of love. 2-1-1 one, one against Boston, yeah. Carolina, Vegas, that Vancouver, weekend, the nine oh one save that, percentage. That weekend was, like, we called it the, arguably the, the most important regular season games in, since Kyle and Sheldon took over. Back-to-back? Back. No, not without it being a, a playoff night, game. talking in Canada, like he he was fine. He was. He didn't just. He, did, he, he wasn't bad. Got the job done. Yeah. And they were able to get four huge points. They got five of eight against good opponents in big spots. And a back to back, less than twenty four hours later, in Carolina against a team that people have. Should he be your third goalie when you have an injury prone starter? No. Right. I mean, do you agree with that? Like maybe he's too high up in the depth chart. If he's your fourth guy, I think you love him. Third guy's a bit high because you're likely playing your third guy based on the injury yeah. history of Murray. I think the probably the most likely scenario for a lot of this season is that Shalgren's going to be the backup. You, like I don't think it's Murray's going to be a stalwart of health here. So you're hoping for Samsonov to get back and Samsonov just popped re, his knee. I'm hoping for him to refine some. But just because Matt Murray's starting tonight, we haven't seen the last of old Eric Shalgren. Is what we I'm getting not. at here. The one thing that. For for me, what would go a long way for Matt Murray is uh, he's he's big, and when he's on his game, he needs to make sure that around him he's well supported. So that means if I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try to go one on one with a guy, I, I can't have backdoor. Worry about the backdoor. I can't. I I I need you guys structurally sound, and for the most part, I think the numbers and the you, you tell yeah, me. They're 10th in goals against in the league. And this time last year, what were they? Higher than yeah, that. Yeah, much higher. Yeah. So I think they've tightened up for him to come in and, and be that guy that just says, I got the shooter. Uh, 
but on occasion they are known to give up the great A chance. Well, listen, I mean, do you and love that's where, that's where Shalgren came up on a couple occasions. Made some big ones. Uh, odd man rushes, breakaways. Yeah. He's come up big. Against the, the Canucks actually had a look, a couple of looks at the end there. I thought um, his best game was against Vegas. Did far. you, yeah? Like, maybe his best game as a Leaf. He didn't have that many shots, but the amount of breakaways yeah. they had in that game, I thought that was when he was at his best. I think the Leafs are third in the NHL in shots against per game. Like, they're real, they don't give up a ton of shots. But, um, you know, if you look at the Leafs' decor, Kipper, none of them make you feel overly great about their defensive play. Your number one, Riley, is not a defensive stalwart. You know, Sandine, no. Lilligren, no. You know, Paul- how are they 10th? Well, I don't know. They, <laughs> team defense, collective team defense. But yeah, they're D. You don't think of any of them as defensive specialists. Brody's out. Muzzin's out. So you know what you start doing now? No. You build up Jordy Ben. <laughs> A nice transition, radio host. Yeah. Should we? Uh, should we hear about Jordy Ben? Yes. All right. Let's. How hear important it. he's been. How important's Jordy Ben in the room? Well, just his personality. He's he's the guy that again, just a true professional, and and uh, is himself, and he's confident, and comes in and uh, keeps things loose and light, yet plays extremely hard and leaves it all out there. So, like you can never have enough of those guys. See, that's twice he said like a pro, a true professional. I for, actually for think me, I can. For me, the next thing is to say, okay. Who's not a true professional Great in your room? Great point. Which you like? Who isn't? Because if you're, if you're, you know, if you gone out of your way twice to tell us who are the true pros, I'd like to hear who you don't think is a true pro. Um, I'm, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> well Great timed. drop in, Monty. <laughs> <laughs> this is awkward. I, listen, I think he's dealt with a lot of guys over his tenure here that are just sort of in and out guys and the bot you think of the people that have been rotated in and out mm-hmm. this year and kubel and all by the way kubel's like and, mashing people yeah, he got suspended, he got for, three suspended games. for a head hit yeah is that the same guy that was here no like if he he couldn't accidentally bump into anybody in the first 10 games what here. happened in toronto he with no- him he knocked evander kane on his ass in one game yeah weird Got a burr under. He wasn't know. happy in Toronto, I don't think. Sounded like he was chit-chatting with the coach quite a bit. Trying to All get right. a bit more. Uh, on that... Oh, sorry. I was just, just follow up on, on Jordy Ben. Uh, like, What'd you think of his play? 17 minutes? Morgan Riley? Uh, he's... Jordy Ben's a 6th, 7th, or 8th defenseman for me. Yeah. I but he's see. not... 17 minutes no. a night, but it was nice that he was able to contribute and they got great energy off of it and they fed off of it and it was well needed, Yeah, but he is not replacing Jake Muzzin. No. Okay. I think this is relevant. If we can do the Keith clip on keeping even keel, cause it talks about guys being pros and talks about, you know, long regular more season. More, well, more maybe, pros? maybe okay. I think. And then there's something, you know, with Jordy Ben being, you know, six, seven, eight. Like, you don't mind him right now during this stretch of play, but it's a long season. Let's okay. just do the key thing. I think, I think it's important to recognize that it's a long season and you get too worked up. You know, when things aren't going well, then it, it, can, uh, it can snowball uh, on you. And at the same time, if you get too excited when things are going well, then it tends to go the other way. So uh, I think it is an important piece uh, of your 
mindset in your daily preparation to just focus on what you can control, get your own routines um, uh, settled and, and stay with them and trust in them and, and trust in the resources that are around you. I think that's really all that you can do. Uh, at the same time, I think as the season goes along, as much as you want to be even keel, I think you, you have to find ways to motivate yourself at the same time. So uh, that's really what, you know, when you talk about being a professional and being and having experience, I think those are the kind of things that you figure out over time of what works for you. That's all being a pro, isn't it? It sounds really good and practical, you just but I don't need to keep it low he, and level, he, but also be motivated. He, and... He's trying to remind himself. I think, yeah. In all honesty. Sometimes I watch season, him, Sheldon. and you're not even keel. Yeah, like he, there's some, there's some games or some days. I'm I'm sure he he comes across like his hair's on fire to the guys, mm-hmm. and that can early wear, this that, season there was pressure. I feel like he the, felt it. Oh no, for sure. And I think it's factored into uh, how short he's been, either on an off day during practice mm-hmm. or behind the bench. Yeah. But it was almost as if he was trying to convince himself that it's a long season, and mm-hmm. I, I I need to be better. I think it, it being even keel. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. You know, one thing that stands out for me is you need a good record to be even keel, don't you? Like if you're legit, so not your point about five hundred, but like if yeah. you're whatever six six and three or whatever, you don't really have the luxury of even keel because it's pressure on, or guys get fired and traded. Like, you need to establish a record. Like, now, what are they, 8, 5, and 3? You know, they're starting to establish themselves as one of the teams that's yeah. going to be a home. It's easier to be even keel and ride the ups and downs when you're looking like you're going to finish with a six seven hundred winning percentage. It's also funny uh, that that we've heard on a couple occasions now uh, being a pro because mm-hmm. I, I had heard he snapped on the, the team About after, professionalism. The first, after the first period. And... Uh, Saturday night yeah, against Vancouver. And I think probably the words of being a, a true pro might have come up. Yeah. I, I get that sense. I don't know. No one's ever, you know, definitively told me what was said in mm-hmm. the room in the first period. But that's the sense that I get. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that be a big moment if you're Keith? Then you know that night is so important to the people in the building and where you're at in the season, and you're down 2 nothing after the first, you could see him feeling like, you know, this is when you shouldn't need a push from your coach. And so I wonder if a lot of these comments are the reinforcement to the guys, like, you did it. You acted like pros. That's what I need from you. That's being professional. Yeah, I, I, I think you hit it right there. Yeah. Talking to the team, coaching through the media. Well, I'm very happy to hear that piece of information, to be honest with you. That he lost it? Yeah, that's a situation where you need to. You're down. I will say the text that I was getting from you and JD and, you know, all of us, you know, (laughs) punks like leaves to jail. Just send them all to jail. They're losing on this night. I was legitimately as mad as I've been since playoff losses as I was after that. Well, right. Right when you expect to see it from them is when you don't get it. And that brought back that feeling. And like they weren't even that bad. No, it's they just, actually outchanced them like five to one or it's something. It's just they going down the optics of going down two zip to the crappy Canucks in that first period after what we saw at center ice. Yeah. Was made me very mad. <laughs> just very mad. Anyways. Yeah. For sure. All right. Um, 
Just to keep things moving here, the splitting of Marner and uh, Matthews. We expect that tonight. We do, along with uh, old Bunty boy. Yeah, we'll get to Bunting and uh, perhaps uh, where he sees himself. We got a clip of that as well, but uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit yesterday. Um, you want to hear the clip first, or you want to talk about it first? I want you to talk about it first. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I don't mind it. I'm okay, okay with it. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, do I believe that uh, when this team's humming or is in a position to <laughs> try to win a first round of the playoffs, it's Matthews and Marner all day long? Yeah, agreed. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I think they agree. So, I think Sheldon and Kyle will be in these seats and be like, yeah, we agree. You, you are limited. It's like Marner and Matthews or Marner and Tavares. Yeah. Not Marner Tavares and Engvall. And Not going to happen. Tavares and Marner, Tavares and Nylander. Like, that's it. Those are, in reality, your only choices. And there is a third one, and we'll listen to Keith right now uh, talk about splitting them up and, you know, what's the alternative third look? Have a listen. Maybe a little bit, but I probably not too much given, you know, I think any time a team plays against us, they're they're well aware of the fact that we've got two groups that they have to be very conscious of, and that's still the case. You know, we, at times we've we've put Willie on a third group, and I think that creates some some challenges. But I think you know uh, we probably make a bigger deal of it uh, here than than uh, the opposition does. I think they they know uh, what they're up against with our team, and I think most coaches will tell you they're just focused on their own group. It's interesting. And I think a good observation. Yeah. But, okay, ultimately, you look at all the, the top guys. They've got their top guy right beside them. What what team, like, you know, McKinnon with Rantanen and when with uh, Landis Cog when he's healthy. Uh, Bergeron and Brad Marchand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but pass is not with them. No. Dry Saddle McDavid, no, Crosby and Malkin. That's three. We're talking about just two. Yeah. Def- like locks. Yeah. The, all the great ones want to play with the best players they can beside them. Of course. Boston now is a, has the luxury where they can move Krejci with, uh, with Pasternak. But rest assured, man, you put all three of them together and you know you're going to get magic. Yeah, and you do. Right away. But yeah. what what top players don't get their top players to play with? And that's what Matthews sure. will always remind Sheldon or anyone else that, you know, when crap hits the fan, man, you you know this guy, yeah. number 16. Even, even if you don't start them together, they're going to end up. 16's coming my way when I really need them. Yeah, and if you look at their lineup for tonight, their other two centers are Pontus Holmberg and David Camp. So, like, you know, attack Mitch to Pontus Holmberg. You know, you're going to give Willie to Camp. I Put mean, all of them know. on four lines. Like, I think, lines. <laughs> I think yeah, the other know. day you threw me Matthews, Bunting, and Kerfoot. I still think it's a good idea. Are you insane? No, it's Did you a good hit idea. your head no. on the way in? Well, it slipped. It's we icy. Do not. It's, it's icy. icy. <laughs> what, what world would you ever have McKinnon uh, playing with third line wingers? Who has Sidney Crosby played with all these years? He doesn't have Malkin G- beside Gensel? him. It's, Gensel? Yeah. Jake Gensel, before he came in the league, he was a, when he was a rookie, he wasn't some superstar. He's not playing. Like, Gensel's 
Gensel's a star now. He's, a, he's real deal. Real he, deal. Crosby turns guys into the way Tavares used to turn Matt Molson and Bailey and Ocpozo and help those guys out. Rust, pa- pretty good player. Pascal Dupuis was his favorite all time but to play with. You're, you're, That's right. You're not. And Kunitz. You know, okay, maybe for a shift or a period or maybe even a game, but yeah. you think Matthews is going to, he's a happy camper with bunting and Kerfoot. Why do we care if he's happy? Uh... I got a reason. <laughs> I just think it's like, I'd like can, we not, can you not ask the person you're paying the most on earth to like make a sacrifice for the greater team? If we think our team is going to have more success doing so, something you don't like. So, okay, let me get this straight now. Yeah, okay. go ahead. Get it straight. All right. Offensive zone face-offs. Who's yeah. out there on offensive zone face-offs? I mean, you're talking about the way the lineup is constructed? No, just in general. Oh, you with put that your group? stars, you put your stars in yes. offensive zone faceoff. The Sedins always. So we're going to constantly now put Matthews Bunting and Kerfoot on offensive zone faceoffs for Austin while we sit Tavares Marner. No. And Nylander. No, let Austin on go the win bench, a Selkie trophy. On the bench. No, those guys can go out and play in the offensive zone so for one line. So now we're going to take our $11.5 million player, and he's sitting on the bench on yeah. offensive zone faceoffs. Sure. Yeah, he's the guy. What did he finish in Selkie are, trophy are you, voting last year? Are you year? driving him to Arizona <laughs> in two years? Will you fly him? Will you get Is an it RV? illegal to look at what a guy, what it would do for the way your team works if a guy were utilized differently? Like, to me... You're going to utilize a 60-goal scorer, your best player, your MVP, your yeah. blah, 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 yes. blah. <laughs> it depends. I mean, it depends who's rested, whatever. I'm not going to be afraid to put him out in the O-zone. But I, don't, I just don't see why it's so difficult to ask for sacrifice from the people who make the most money. Because the real world doesn't work that way. Well, then the We're real not. world should. That should be a greater cr- right. criticism then. I don't mind your gumption for trying it, but somehow I believe that the players would look at you and go, people over. who's got a better chance of staying? (laughs) Me (laughs) or you? coach or me. Or you. You're right. All right. But ultimately, uh, Nylander should be able to get Matthews the puck. He should be shown in the past he's been able to do that. A good playmaker who I think is getting a little bit more consistent. It it should it should be fine tonight for them to get their looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't worry about them being able to create. They've had a lot of success in the past. Um, you know, prior to Mitch and Austin being, you know, Batman and Robin, they they played together quite a bit. So, not too worried about those Especially two. In the rookie year, they hooked up all the time for goals in the rookie. I remember him. Yeah. you know, setting up. I think his fourth one. A uh, little saucer across there. He's just see you. Um, a lot of memories of them setting each other up. One. What a game! Yeah, All right, it's ridiculous. At that Seeing happened. how I just buried Bunting and Kerfoot on Matthews line. Now we got <laughs> Bunting with Matthews tonight. <laughs> yeah, he's there anyway. Have we what seen a- that yet? Bunting Matthews Nylander? Last game. Was that what it was last game? Yeah, I think so. But mm. are we going to see a a more confident Bunting, a guy that f- feels good now again? Let's ask him. All right, here's bunting on. Uh, no, oh, which one is it? Which clip is it? I don't know. Just uh, having a a do over. How's that? Yeah, I think that's uh, a good thing. I think I just needed a little reset. I'm pretty hard on myself to to begin with as a, as a player. Um, so 
uh, I just want to kind of go out there and, and, and build my confidence back and, and then uh, kind of just keep it rolling and, and just go game by game and, and not to get high, not get too high on the highs and not to get too low on the lows. So I'm looking forward to, you know, building my game from last game and, and going into tonight. They are in dire need. And I said this the other day about, uh, you know, hoping and wishing that Robertson could step up and, and find a way to have a 15, 20 goal season or put up 40 plus points, but it's not going to happen. Is it? Listen, even if it's 15, 15 is not enough based on getting nothing from him when he's not shooting it in. Like if he's going to not contribute meaningfully when he's not scoring, you better score 25 times or something. Um, you know, the, uh, the whole bunting thing about confidence is interesting. It, I don't really feel like he's been, I don't know, looked at like he's been terrible. Have you thought he's been that bad that he's lacking confidence? And well, here's the problem when you score 63 points, they want it again. <laughs> yeah. So tell me what you look like and then tell me what you're producing and which one would you rather have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll take the production all day. And what's he at? Uh, six couple points. Goals? Six points in two, sixteen two and games. Four. Two and four and sixteen. Yeah, and that's. Uh... And he's been on the the thing that stuck out with to me with him is he's been on the wrong side of the penalty whistle this year. I think he's he's obviously drawn a lot of penalties, mm-hmm. but he's taken a couple. He has. He's got twenty six pims already. Yeah, there's. I think it was against Vancouver the one where he kind of sideswiped the guy heading into the into the the zone. There it was in the third period. Yeah, JT Miller, there you go. I just, I don't, I don't like him playing on that side of the whistle. We have a clip on that. Yeah, Let's go. do it. Yeah, I got to, I kind of got to know that that is my game. And obviously um, I tracked uh, a lot during the game. So I, I have to make sure I'm, I'm playing on the line. I can't be crossing and taking uh, bad penalties and putting uh, the team in, in a bad position. So um, I'm going to work on that and, and keep it going. And he is 100% right. This guy attracts. And yeah. last year it was the attraction was a lot more positive. And right now he's got to find that, that balance. But I think it's I, over. I, I, I don't yeah, know if, it, if you're able to ever go back to being the guy he was where people didn't know that he drew calls the way he did. Now people know Bunting. Don't you think? Uh, yeah, for sure. But he's he, he's going to go out there and he's – He's like a magnet, man. He just tries to find kind of havoc and trouble, and mm-hmm. you you gotta you gotta know where to pick your spot. You gotta know how to get in and get back out and initiate. Don't retaliate. That sort of stuff that yeah. we often talk about in the rooms. And when you're chasing it, and it's not coming naturally, then he's gotten himself in trouble. Yeah. No, you're right. I, it's almost like yeah. But isn't that a way that a guy who isn't uh, contributing offensively is going to try to make an impact being like, I got to go out there and do something. Energy, I got to go out there. And right. Energy. An energy guy. Yeah. That's what I mean. But I got news for you. Yeah. That's a bottom six role. And he's getting paid like a bottom okay. six guy. So yeah. That's it. But they're still asking him to, to contribute because they need it so badly. They do. They need his 60 so points. You're right. I've, that fine line. Like, when do I try to draw a penalty or when do I go to the net hard and, you know, when do I stand up for a teammate enough to make it look like uh, our team can come out of this with a power play? And now it's 
and the contract. All of this is not I helping think the contract's him. weighing for sure. People feeding him information that another 60-plus could earn you a $25 million contract. And he's starting to do the math a little bit. Well, it's not 60. Is it going to be 50? Yeah, no, and that's if now, I get going now. 40? Yeah. And now, you know, did I just lose $2 million a year? You know, when he is at his best, like my favorite bunting plays are a wall battle where he finds it and he's just smart enough to know where the little slip to Matthews or Marner should be. What the kick behind the net Exactly to the type of thing. Like he finds a play where it's a contested puck where all of a sudden one of your superstars has it. Didn't you uh, mention just off air recently uh, uh, the Engvall goal and what he was able to attract? Yep. Great example. And I don't think he got a point on Engvall's goal, but he has stopped at the top of the paint with his stick down and all the Canucks, you, you have to tend to that. And that leaves someone else open. Yeah. You know, and actually let's listen to the clip on him and what's been off with his game because, hey, good job. You know, I don't know. Maybe I was just kind of gripping my my stick too tight. Um, you know, just kind of maybe getting away from my game and not kind of going into those dirty areas and going to the front end and stuff like that. So I got to go back to you know what brought me success last year and what brings me success as a player. So um, that's some, something I'm going to focus on is kind of going to those areas, going to the net, and and getting the pucks to Maddie and Will and and let them kind of do their thing and then get open as much as I can. So I'm um, looking forward to doing that tonight. See, he's he is. He's an intelligent player. Mm -hmm. He's got uh, great instincts. He's got above average hockey IQ. Yep. And I can hear him saying, I know. Yeah. I know. And I'm caught. This is the part that I'm listening to now. Yeah. I'm caught. Who do you I've want me got, to be for you? I've got the 63-point the season last year that's almost haunting me right now. And at times, it's just killing me to know that I'm not producing right now. And my first thought is to get production out of my game. Mm -hmm. And it's not the little things that you just mentioned. It's, it's a, it's just a wonder. He wants both, but right now he just has to focus on one or the other and the other ain't coming with the points. Right. So go to the, the one that, you know, yeah. What's really funny is I think last year when he got the opportunity to play with Marner and Matthews, his priority would have been staying there. How do I play in a way that my coach keeps me here and doesn't put some other left winger on the ice? So how do I do that? I forecheck, I battle in front, I do the little things that keep me in this spot. And when you do those things, the points just come, right? You kick it to those guys and they create a point, whatever. When you go out and try to be the offensive guy, do you think it's me, Mitt? Because that was going into the year. I think some of the concern where he thought it was, that's me, Mitch, and Austin, the three of us, the three amigos. Oh. It's the two amigos and you're on the line, <laughs> you know? He was in a Tim Hortons commercial, so. But that's the thing, and that's, hey. you know, and, and Keith was like going into the year was talking about right. bunting. Yeah, yes. and uh, McKayev had a soup commercial. Like, that's that's the crap, in all honesty, that really pisses off the rest of the league. You got guys with 100 <laughs> points, got a 120, commercial. and like Bunting comes in with his 100-game career and scores 63, and the guy gets a national commercial on, <laughs> on Tim Horton. That's the crap that everybody looks around and goes, you Leafs are in your yeah. own friggin' world. Imagine and, if Vasily Pod Colson had one. You guys, you guys can't get out of the first round, yeah. and you're pulling up with, like, national commercials. Yeah. And it's people on the outside aren't wrong. That stuff can fill your head up. By the way, you those know, guys probably... You think he's getting a national commercial with Lou Lamorello still here? No, good point. 
Those guys probably all got what? Not a chance. Twenty to fifty thousand dollars through that commercial. I would not have a clue how much money you would get paid to be in a commercial like that. But it matters to Bunting because he makes nine hundred. It was just like a. It was like a piece of content for them. They did it like on YouTube. Could be a box of donuts. Oh, you don't don't think they made money? I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't do it for free. Yeah, you know. It'd be a few bucks and a box of Timbits. I don't know. Well, so, to Bunce, that's half his salary last year. So I just want to go back. Lou wouldn't have let them do that? Lou was No one was above kinda, the team was the, as the concept. But they're like, hey, did I ever, tell you, do I have time to money? tell you a story about yes. Scotty yes. Bowman and the Detroit Red Wings? Please do. And Absolutely. It, uh, goes around uh, uh, Chris Draper. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, and by the way... I'm at uh, I'm in a I'm at Tennis Canada, and we're in a box together. And it's an open box. It's summer. It's a beautiful day. Are you hanging out with Rafa Nadal in this scenario, no, or is I'm this not. a different day? This is okay. just hanging You're out hosting with him Chris at, uh, Draper, <laughs> hosting him. At and uh, I think it was Serena Williams uh, playing tennis. And Chris Draper starts telling me the story about uh, it was the end of the month. And they're going to tell Scotty that we're going to delay a uh, puck drop because we're going to give a, an award to uh, the player of the month. Mm-hmm. He says, okay, that's great. Uh, who is it? And he goes, uh, uh, it's Chris Draper. He goes, Chris Draper. <laughs> Chris Draper's he, he gets watching the games? player of the month. And I got Steve Eisman. And I got <laughs> Sergey Fedorov. Yeah. And that's my player of the month. That's our player of the month. Yeah. That's not our player of the month. <laughs> and I, Have you paid attention? I think Scotty shut it down. <laughs> he said, we can't have this. No, can't have it. And I think as Serena was putting the ball up to serve it, I broke out in the biggest <laughs> laugh when he says, we can't have Chris Draper being our player of the month. And she... Like caught the ball and she turned around and looked right at me and I'm like, sorry, sorry, sorry about that, sorry about that. Take it up with my buddy Nadal. Hey, everybody's got their thoughts and ideas of where your place is, mm-hmm. and you know if you don't really kind of know your place according to them, then it ain't happening. There and, is some and, and Lou's that guy. Yeah, Lou is that guy, and it's like. No, Lou would be the guy that go, okay, that commercial is not going to help him. It's just going to hurt the ball club. Yeah. No, for sure. Then, you know, I saw that a little bit in my time with the Marlies, certain guys getting called up, um, you know, not based on merit, but on, uh, you don't want this guy to be mad. We need to throw him a cookie to keep him engaged, you know, like keep the pecking order, the draft picks and keep, you know, it's not just like he's playing the best. He comes up it. There's, a structure involved to keep it optimal, optimally functioning in Lou Lamarillo's mind. There you go. And he's got his... He used uh, to attend practice incog- incognito, hoping no one would notice him. Low brim. He'd look like Lord Palpatine up in the corner. That's hilarious. I know. Um, uh, is the, the, the demise of Lou and, and the Islanders... Uh, greatly exaggerated. Yeah, greatly exaggerated. Because yes. all of a sudden... They got screwed last year. Second yeah. in the Metro. They yeah. got screwed. Yeah, the year before, they're on the road for a month before they get home. Then they get home, they get smoked by COVID, and they don't get any postponements like other teams do. And they're buried by the halfway through the year. It's a pretty good club.
All right, we got Colby Armstrong coming up uh, after the break. We'll ask him if he's ever had uh, Player of the Week pulled out from <laughs> underneath him. Uh, and we're going to ask him, uh, what are we going to ask him again? Uh, shower Sheriff. We're going to ask him what he, <laughs> we're gonna ask him what he earns oh, yeah. for Chicklets, etc. Yeah, we want to know his, uh, his exclusive deal uh, with uh, Spitting Chicklets uh, oh. group. And is he really going to run with biz and ryan now he's like going to be that third wheel in that thing buddy you be the 12th wheel if you get paid you just, <laughs> you just hang in there okay colby armstrong after the break watching and listening to real kipper and born the Leafs taking on pittsburgh penguins at the ppg paints arena where it hasn't been too friendly to the leafs we were talking off the top of the the show I, I always found pittsburgh a tough place to play um in in the chats uh on youtube pickford 31 says i love how kipper just forgot to mention yager when he was naming all the great players he played you know i skipped and over him because i wasn't sure if he was no, the, there the, when the, you were there he, the first uh my first year he was not uh he was a 90 draft pick uh, uh but yeah he was really good too there pickford 31 thanks he, tips he played for what 10 seasons after that no, 12. Was it 14, 18, 20, 22, 20? How many years did he play? 20. Some, he played forever. Played forever. And another guy who feels like he's played forever is uh, Colby Armstrong. The great Colby Armstrong. Does it, does it feel to you like you've played forever? Why, why does it make, why do I feel that way about you? Mr. Yeah, Colby. Because I haunted your dreams for two years as a Leaf Kipper. You couldn't even go on a broadcast. You couldn't do anything. I was showing up at parties that you invited me to in the city. <laughs> I was everywhere. So I, I, uh, I think I was in in your brain yes. more than any other player. Yeah, you, you remember that when I, you invited me to Cujo's birthday party? That was so cool. By the way, that was awesome. <laughs> Tell I us did. About I it. show up. To, yeah, I show up to town, and you're like, "Hey, you should come down. It'd be awesome." And I was like, oh, "Okay." And I brought my wife, and we came down to this like little bar, and Cujo's there with his with his wife, and there was just like tons of cool, awesome people there. Like Cujo's the man. Hey, that was awesome. I don't remember <laughs> that even a little bit, but it was it, it was, was great. Good. It I was good guy, for you. Uh, yeah, I met uh, the bear, a couple guys off the Bare Naked Ladies, or buddies with him. That was kind of cool. They were a big band of mine when I was in oh, yeah. uh, elementary into high school mostly. So that, that was really awesome, just hanging out with random people. I barely even talked to you there. Maybe that's why you don't remember. <laughs> <everyone> <laughs> you know what the beauty about you being a Leaf was? that You, you still got all that money, right? You haven't, you haven't spent a dime of it, I'm sure. Oh. Now I live in Pittsburgh, and it's just oh yes. So what, what <laughs> beautiful. Is, what is we have not talked to you since you've got this new gig. So you're now running shotgun with Biz and Ryan Whitney. It's like you know you're the you're the third guy uh, now to join the band. Are you not? <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm not riding shotgun. I'm actually in the trunk. <laughs> 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 you know. To sneak into a drive-in movie theater, remember those? That's where I am. I'm in the trunk, hiding. Uh, yes, yeah, so we have a podcast under them, and it's unnamed as, as far as I know. It's Chicklets, etc. It's still kind of a thing. It's up in the air, but we do it once a month uh, with Matt Murley, an ex-teammate of mine who played all over the world. And uh, yeah, it's just once kind of a, a month. I know we got it. We got to crank it up, right? Well, we got to crank it up. Uh, 
Sammy and JB are under the impression that you're getting paid uh, 100000 per episode now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> so it's not happening then? <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet, Kipper. Not yet. I will be... Uh... We'll see how much merch I can get going. You know how the game, nice. you know how the game goes. Well, yeah. we were talking about how difficult uh, it was to go into Pittsburgh uh, over these, uh, I don't know, decades for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I had spoken mm-hmm. how uh, in my day, you know, staring down Mario Lemieux, Kevin Stevens, uh, Yager, you know, when he first came in in the early 90s, was it was intimidating, man. And it's a... Pittsburgh's always had loud buildings, the Mellon Arena, um, and a PPG from what I've been able to gather covering playoff games there. Like, it's it's hard to go in there and win. Yeah, I, I think um, I think the great thing about Pittsburgh is this is truly just a, a blue-collar sports town, drink beers, wear your jeans, and cheer on your teams. And I think that provides an awesome atmosphere. I think it provides awesome excitement. And I think for you know, as long as I've, you know, been around here and my second year here with the team and we were going back a long time, but it's been that way now for a long time. Like you said, they make the playoffs, like they have relevant teams. They have teams that are in the mix or teams that could be in the mix, whether they fall short or something happens that were are kind of like, you know, teams that could, that could have a run. And as long as you got Gino and Sid uh, and Latang and, you know, Mark Andre Fleury for the longest time, uh, it seemed to be, always exciting topic. So I think, you know, here in town, and it's not a big city, right? But here in town, it's like Steelers and, and Penguins. And, you know, the Steelers have more have had more success in the last 10 or so years than, than the Penguins have than the Steelers. So it's it's kind of, you know, the place to be. And, and people will go crazy about their Penguins and hockey here. I miss the old Mellon Arena, though. Like, there's just something about, and, and I mean, you could probably talk about Maple Leaf Gardens. I never got a chance to go into that rink, but just those old barns, the way, it, the way it was, they were right on top of you, the sound. It was just so much more, I guess you could, you could rustic. Is that it? Sure. <laughs> that works. <laughs> so much more of a rustic at- atmosphere, right. and it just made it so, so good. I miss the old Mellon Arena. Believe me, the PPG Paints Arena, whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's it's comfortable and nice and luxurious, but it, there's something about those old barns that just makes it even harder, I think. So what's going on with, uh, what are the talking points on Pittsburgh radio about the Penguins right now? Because they, you know, they handle the Leafs of the 4-2 win on uh, Friday, then they go into Montreal and they don't beat the Canadians. I mean, they get a point, but, you know, they're, they're kind of scuffling, scuffling along right now. What, uh, what are the talking points on Pittsburgh radio these days? Well, I think uh, if you look at this team, I think they're for me in looking at them is it's it's they're they're caught between being structured, and and when they have to defend being a little bit too safe, and they're getting caught in between. I mean, we saw that in the Toronto game in Toronto, dominated the Leafs in the first period, sat on their heels and let the Leafs crush the neutral zone and dominate uh, possession, and then the third period found like the perfect recipe of of aggressiveness in defending. And the Leafs only got four shots on goal and trying to get back into that game. So it was, uh, we saw it, like it was really a tale of three teams through that. And that's kind of how they've been to start the year. Gino kills the Leafs, doesn't he? And his, he does. his line with him and Zucker, like his stats are crazy. And like 42 games against the Leafs, he has like 24 goals. And I don't even, I, I, I should know 60, this, but it's 65 like. 65 points, I think. It's or crazy. Really close to around there. Yeah. 
Yeah, like he lights the Leafs up. So his line in the game against the Leafs was dominant. He went into Montreal. His line was the best. He only played 14 minutes against the Leafs. Wow, like really? 14-10. Yeah, and then the back-to-back, he comes in against Montreal. Their line's carrying the mail, and he gets about 17 minutes. And Zucker, who's been really good to start the year as well, um, only got about like 15 minutes around there. But I think they got to try to find more minutes for that line if they're going right now. Sid's line's been a little bit sleepy, but most of the talk's been around like the, the bottom six. Uh, and just overall team play for the team. And now there's there's a conversation around the goaltending where Casey DeSmith started that game in Toronto as well, where they, we we're kind of expecting Jari maybe to, but DeSmith seems to have taken over like the number one role right now. And, um, you know, so those those are the, the main talking points is just a little bit of scuffling, a little bit of trying to find their identity and how it's going to work and um, getting everything from everyone at this at the right time. Having the third line being going, McGinn elevated, Carter Heinen on that line has changed the look of this team for sure. It's if they can get Bluger back in the lineup. I, I understand he's a game-time decision and for tonight, and we'll see if he can come back because he helps their penalty kill and their depth a lot. We're talking to Colby Armstrong. New podcast, great, on spitting chicklets. Uh, Malkin at 14 minutes. Is that... A design is that uh, trying to uh, save him throughout the regular season? Would that piss him off? Uh, is he the type of guy that uh, Sullivan would hold back minutes if he turns the puck over a few more yeah. times than he yeah. he would like? Well, in the Leafs game too, right? He, like the thing I, about him that I love is that he's a fiery guy. And when he's fiery, sometimes he takes penalties and he took a couple, but the tripping penalty that he did get into Leafs absolutely like fired him up. Do you see his goal celebration? In the last 30 oh, seconds. Yeah. Of the first mm-hmm. period, he gives like the tripping call to the refs and is like swearing in Russian. I think <laughs> 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 if you're a lip reader, um, but it, that's like the great thing about him. That's like the dangerous thing about him. And, you know, I, I, I would, I would think if I was a coach, like, you know, you kind of like, I love that, but also it's hard to, to have the line that he kind of walks when he's at his game, at the top of his game, because that's what you get. But I think it's also too, like, Hey, listen, we got a lead. How much do we need him if he's going to turn the puck over too? So that's always dancing in your mind, I think as well, but the way their, their line has played honestly has been, they've been the, they've been the best line um, the last handful of games. Uh, especially the last two. So, you know, to try to find the minutes, I think is, you know, something that he has to look at. I think the coach, you know, Mike Sullivan has to look at um, if they're going again and, and maybe they are tonight and it would help that, you know, lights the Leafs up as well to, to put them out there a little more. Hey, what are they going to do with Kapanen? Like this guy's money is, is he three plus? He's healthy three. scratched. He's, they're not even and using if him. If I'm like... not mistaken, they gave up a first rounder to get him too. Did they not? Yeah. That was part of the, the package. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, like, what's yeah, going on I there? Like, know. Sullivan and him just at odds? I would say, look, I think he's had, like, a super long leash. Like, even going back to last year as well, which had been a struggle for him. Yeah. I think he had a really long leash. He got healthy scratch at one point last year, sat out a game, and then someone got hurt. Same thing that happened. He sits out this game. Somebody gets sick, and he gets put back in the lineup. So, yeah. I mean, he barely played. He was on the fourth line. But, um I think he's had a really long leash. I think they've given him opportunity. I think they've tried to put him in a bunch of different places. And like the thing with cap and I think you guys would agree is like you look at him and you watch him and you can see him and you're like, okay, this is, this should be, there should be more there, but he's just left leaving you wanting so much more from his game. And you know, the production isn't there. Uh, He's not like 
he hasn't been like dangerous like you would expect with his speed and breakaways or whatever he can contribute. I thought he'd be like a little bit more um, gritty, I guess, in in down low offensive zone play. But he he, he wants to drive wide and then do his pull up thing all the time, and it's just become predictable. And it's he's kind of like stuck in the quicksand almost with his game right now, even though he he's gotten a long leash. And, and I think they just said, you know what, we're not winning games. Um, we've got to change something. And I don't, and also I don't think when you look at a third line, right? Like, does he fit on a third line? Is he going to be a guy that can, you know, provide the identity that you're looking mm-hmm. for? And I think with putting McGinn Carter and Heinen together on that third line has given them that. And they're producing too. McGinn's got a few goals in a few games and, uh, big goals at, at key times. And, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of giving and reviving the identity of the group through that third line a little bit and, and providing some stability with their game. So uh, I don't know if there's a fit for them right now. Colby, a lot of talk up here about um, Matthews and, and Marner and the lack of production overall or just not seeing the numbers that everybody's accustomed to. And there's really, like, few options here between Tavares, Nylander, and Matthews and Marner. And, you know, I I look at Sid's numbers and Brian Rust and Gensel, and they're okay, but what what are Sullivan's options uh, to kind of free up, you know, Sid a little bit offensively? Yeah, I think that line has been, the last few games anyways, like struggling to, you know... um, I guess I'm uh, like the chemistry just hasn't been like as sharp for whatever reason with Rust and Gensel um, to free them up. I think you have a lot of options, right? Like if you've got a third line that's going, you now can, you know, put them in different matchup situations. And then you've got kind of the Geno Sid effect going, which they've had for mm-hmm. years, which I get it. Like one line might be better. Some nights, the other line might be freed up a little bit more other nights, but you have that option and that, and that ability. I think the Leafs do as well, but um one thing I'll say is as much as it's struggled, they, they've, uh, you know, kind of stuck, you know, to their formula with, with, you know, their, their big guys and the way they're going to roll their lineup as of changing the third line pretty much is the only thing that we've seen the real difference. They did swap some D partners around as well, but as far as the big guy goes, big guys go, it's kind of the same formula and, and pick your poison. And, you know, they're in their spots where they always are. I think their, their power play has really struggled. I feel like the top unit, the big boys, and it's came out of the gate so hot, but the last seven games, I think they're like two for 19, which is like 10 and a half percent, which isn't what you'd expect from a power play of, of, of the players they have on there. So I think that, you know, hits their confidence a little bit too, because that's free cookie time a little bit in, in regards to getting those opportunities. And, you know, I look at the Leafs and, and tell me if I'm wrong. Well, they got Matthews in the bumper position in a situation with all these weapons out there. Is that not a is that not wasting the threat of of what he could be? Yeah, I think they're just trying to put him make people guess where he is instead of having him be in the same place all the time. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I think I think against 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 Pittsburgh last game too. It's like how do you find ways to get them going, right? Like how do you find ways for it to click? How do you find ways? for, you know, something to work or be unpredictable. Like, I think I think Willie Nylander scored a, a power play goal, and I think there is a little bit of an effect having Matthews in the slot to pull people to the middle on the, pe- on, mm-hmm. the on the penalty kill with having him there, but also, like, how is that helping him? And I guess because ultimately you, you want to get him feeling good and going, right? And I think yeah. is it to relieve the pressure a little bit? Is it to try something different for a little bit until you can 
put him back in his spot and things start to, to gel and click a little bit more or yeah. Um, I, I, Cause I just look at the situation. I'm like, Oh, I feel like, you know, that's like, you know, putting Gino in the bumper position. Like, I don't think Gino would be too happy moving in there. I don't even think he'd go in there. I think he'd just go to a spot on the side. <laughs> I would say, I'm telling you right now, yeah. tell, I've seen him do it. I've seen Gino do it. It's hilarious. Yeah. A guy will be like in his spot and he'll just come stand beside him. Just push him. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, no, that's, here now. Uh, no. I'm here. The few times uh, I played with Alex Kovalev in New York, yeah. I think I'm coming over to help him. Yeah. And he's like, no, get away from Physically me. Physically pushing him. No, 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 no. Honest to God, it's like this little subtle get away from me. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, <laughs> no problem. Like, else. I'll just yeah. get out of your way and maybe. I know my role. Maybe go to the role. bench and watch or something, but yeah, he's he's on his own. He's That's fine. That actually brings up a good question. How you know, Colby, about on ice communication? Like, how much were you a talker with guys on your line on the ice? You ever full conversations out there? A couple of words, or were you one of those quiet guys? I was uh, I was annoying in the dressing room before the game with whoever I was playing with. Like, talk to me, talk to me. Hey, make sure you're talking to me. Talk to me. <laughs> you know, and then it's like quiet for like a couple of minutes. And I'm like, hey, hey, make sure you're talking to me out there. You're talking <laughs> need to me. need to know where you're at. Yeah. I need to know like on breakouts, you know, chip, middle, you know, skate, time, time. I need, I need to know all that stuff. Like, just hit me with it. Because I think the, the more you're in conversation, the more in sync you are, the easier it becomes. And believe me, I have a 12-year-old right now. And, uh... You know, is, is that not the, like, I think even at the pro level that sometimes that can even be a Getting challenge to talk. Is, is yep. just communication. Right. And uh, I think that's uh, at, at that level, at the pro level, like at NHL pro, anything is probably the most important thing. Like it's, I feel like it's, it's gotta be there. So uh, it always helps having those kind of personalities on the team. I think to to keep that going every day or all the time or on your line, having that one guy, like a bunting, right. That's like the guy that's, you know, constantly kind of going. And it, at, at some days you're like, oh my God, stop. But <laughs> for the most part, I think it's, I think it's crucial. I think it keeps it going. Hey Colby, where, where's the blue line for you on this team? Uh, ready to compete uh, in a final four or Stanley cup, the decision to bring Latang back, add a guy like Jeff Petrie, and then even a guy like Dumoulin, and I, I've watched Dumoulin over the years, and uh, a, a great shutdown type of guy, almost like a Jake Muzzin for me, but then the wear and tear yeah. ends up coming back to mm-hmm. these guys, and is it is it catching up to Dumoulin a little bit, all that uh, that heavy lifting over the years? Yeah, it could be. It could be. I think he's had some injuries, right? Yeah. Even last year in the playoffs, yep. he's had some some he's been banged up quite a bit in place like as you mentioned massive key minutes and as much as he may be overlooked being kind of the uh 1b to chris letang for several years i think he i think they they've played off each other really well they have they've been together a bit but as of late they've been separated and uh i would say together they've kind of struggled i don't think chris letang's game's been where it's at he missed a game with illness this year as well and so maybe just not feeling 100 percent for a while but um, for whatever reason, I feel like, you know, adding Jeff Petrie, eating up minutes, Latang not getting, you know, majority of the usual 27 minutes a game that he can get through hard minutes. They've, you know, flip-flopped some pairings around and, you know, Marcus Pedersen has been, you know, probably the most consistent defenseman this year for the Penguins um, uh, in most areas of the game. And, 
you know, I think if you're going to, if you're going to make noise or go somewhere, I think that can't be the case. I think you have to have, you know, Latang and Petrie being your big boys and, you know, complemented by guys like Pedersen and Dumoulin. So um, I think there's work to be done there to get their game sorted out for sure as, as a unit uh, with the pairings. And I think, you know, individually to a man too, is just, um, I think Sullivan's been preaching, you know, just to simplify for some of these guys trying to do a little bit too much. And uh, I think their, you know, their, their idea of how they play is, you know, five man units and, and up and up in the rush and attacking and using your legs and skating. And, um, you know, when you try to do too much, I think you can get caught. And I think for some of these guys, it's been, you know, that's been the case is just trying to do too much. But I think, I think Dumo's game's pretty simple. I think he's like a, he's, he's got those little 10 foot pop breakout passes to support in the D zone, which are really nice. Like those little bunt plays to the middle and everything under pressure. He's really calm and good at that. And just good at, at, at being kind of a, safety valve for whoever he's paired with and usually it's been Latang, but for whatever reason he's kind of been exposed a little bit just due to the lack of influx and in play through the through the through the decor. So I think I think there's room to straighten it out. I think they all kind of know that too. So I think this like you said, scuffling is, is that the word you used, Borny? I think I tried to. I said it poorly, but yes. I think it goes through kind of the entire lineup is you know, everyone's kind of just scuffling to find the right recipe, I I guess you would say. Hey, Colby, I'm trying to get more exposure for our producer, Sammy McKee, here. Is there any chance you can get yeah. him on spitting chiclets or the back of their trunk? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we could hook him up to an RV, eh? We could just pull, pull him in the behind. RV in the back. Yeah, you could have a satellite dish out the top. We'll just be streaming back there. <laughs> I don't know. How's his, how's his body? Like, does he have a podcast body like I do or no? Is he set up yeah, pretty good? Like, like a green bean, basically. Yeah, just long, lean. Tread water in a test oh, tube. He's... <laughs> <laughs> Run around in the shower just to get wet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to let you go, pal. Thanks for doing this. All right, boys, enjoy the game tonight. Thanks Colby for having Armstrong. me. Talk Thanks, to you Colts. You know, with our luck, Sammy, uh, you'd go on spitting chiclets, and the next thing you know, you're doing a national commercial on Tim Hortons, and it would piss <laughs> us off. And we have to explain your role, the, the way that Keith was talking about bunting yes. preseason. Like, you know, he's got to hey. put in the work here. He's, That's uh, right. He's dirty work. Get to the dirty areas. Yeah. Yeah. That's all you got for us. Well, yeah. Well, I always, everyone always talks about, oh, that guy owns the Leafs, that guy owns the Leafs. Like, any star from like 2007 until like <laughs> 2015, 16 against the Leafs, it's going to have huge numbers. That's a really good point. They stunk forever and had awful goaltending, awful decors. Like I know there's team players that had success against other teams, but being like, oh, they own the Leafs. Yeah, they owned the dog crap yeah, Leafs they, for good five players years. were good against bad teams for yes. long stretches of time. Yeah, like Who, Who's the, 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 the goalie that stood out the most for you in those bad lean times for you? Who? That's a good question. As a as, as a I, leaf, as yeah. I, that I like the most. Or no, didn't no, like? that that would give up those points that you're talking about against Pittsburgh. Monster, Gustafson. Yeah. Oh, Isn't yeah. Justin Bogey supposed to be a thing? God, they yeah. built him up. Hey, eh? don't well, you remember? I hate to go down memory lane too much, but he made a preseason save. He had a two on zero. I believe it was Hendrik Zetterberg and somebody else, and he made a. <laughs> like a cross crease splits save and the whole uh acc at the time was chanting monster 
Mod. I'm like, oh my God, we have Hendrik Lundqvist 2.0. Like, I was like, I was so excited about him. I can't remember what I had for breakfast today, and he remembers that. I know. He's referencing you a preseason lease game from the and Gustafson you got to get a life, man. I'm trying to think. Like, there was like Jaguar in there at the end of his of his career. Michael Telkfist. Ooh. Bernier. <laughs> There's a lot Oscala, of bad ones. Right. Listen, we want our listeners to feel good going into watching tonight. Listen, but this is this is something that you know you long for. I hate to say it, a Freddie Anderson type. Yeah, just a guy stability that plays, for years. If it's not a back to back, he's playing. Well, he's just your starting goalie, and they at least haven't had that in a while. So that's what they're hoping starts as early as tonight with Matt Murray. Against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We got Steve Larmer, my former teammate with the New York Rangers. A little bit of Hockey Hall of Fame conversation. Of course, he had that massive consecutive streak uh, that got shut down uh, because he decided to uh, end his run with the Chicago Blackhawks. Maybe we'll revisit that and a lot more with Steve Larmer after the break. You're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. All right, waiting on Steve Larmer. So I took a few friends, a couple of VIPs to Hockey Hall of Fame last night. I'm like, oh, it's going to be great. The energy's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I get to the hall. It's like crickets. Ghost town. Yeah. Nobody's there. What's the deal? Uh, they went across the street to this, uh, the Hummingbird uh, Center. Okay. And I'm like... Kind of uh, low energy. Yeah, low energy. I, you know, it just didn't Should feel they right for me. Should they give away ticket to fans? Then apparently they went there last year. You know, throughout that the, the whole COVID thing, and uh, I don't know for one reason or another they they picked it again this year. But I did not enjoy it. I yeah. I didn't get a big feel NHL production kind of thing like I do at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think, a worthwhile note. And I, I do think it's important yeah. that they have butts in the seats and make sure it's full now, and it's Did you guys watch? And... Did you watch on TV? No. All right. So I don't know whether or not you saw, like, half I the auditorium the was a empty. Lot of the, yeah. Right? I, I did see clips of that, yeah. That the seats were empty. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not a... that's not a good feel, I think. Well, it's not fair to the guys being inducted, I don't think, to not give them a better attendance than that, you know, for the energy. Sammy trying to say something to us there? Sammy... Uh, have we got Steve Larmer? Oh. Larms, Charmer, Steve Larmer joining us on uh, Real Kipper and Board. How are you, Larms? Mr. Kiprios, I'm good, thank you. Good. So, uh, you know, my good buddy Justin uh, says, uh, you know, what a, what would a guy like Steve Larmer be up to right now? And I, I said, um, probably like skidooing. <laughs> that's my, Is that accurate? That's my guess. After tonight, that could be it. Could be the case. We're supposed to get a five to ten centimeters of snow up here tonight. So does, does that knows. excite you? No, it doesn't at all. <laughs> I haven't I haven't snowmobiled in ten years. It's oh way my too gosh nowadays. All right. No. Okay, so I got uh, misinformation. Then um, you know. Uh, now, are you a type of guy to watch the Hall of Fame? Because, you know, I may be biased a little bit here, um, knowing you, playing with you. I often argue why you're not in. Um, is it something that you kind of keep uh, an eye on? Or uh, have, you, have you just kind of moved off of it? 
uh, more or less moved off of it. Is it, is it, uh, is it for different reasons or is it just because, you know, that, uh, you've been so far removed from playing? Well, I mean, it's been, I can't even remember how long it's been. My math isn't very good, but I think 19, the 1995 probably would have been my last yeah. year, 94, 95. So, um, yeah, I've kind of moved off of it. And then, you know, I mean, when I first retired, I mean, I was watching a lot of hockey games and stuff like that because you're watching guys that you, you knew guys mm. that you played with and guys that you played against for years. And, you know, you start rooting for those guys and everything like that. But I can't remember the last guy to probably Chelios was probably the last guy that I played with or against that uh, finally retired. Yeah, it gets a whole lot in- less interesting when it's not people you know. What One of the people you did know, and it's always great to have an opportunity to talk to someone who played with Kipper, but well, what was playing with Nick Kiprios oh, like during your time? <laughs> Let's get, no, just no, want to no, get a take no. on that if we can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got traded with him, by the way. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, we and got I never met him before. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think I met no, you at the bar in the in the lobby bar at the hotel in New at York. At the hotel. Hi, how are you? Nice uh, pleasure to be traded with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 funny because when you you know the makeup of a team is it's many different people, right? Yeah. And and you need, you know, it's, it's like any kind of a recipe if you're not if you're missing a couple of different ingredients, the recipe doesn't turn out. And I think that that year that we had New York, when we won the cup, we had all the right ingredients. And I mean, you don't win Stanley Cups without guys like Nick Kiprios and Mike Hudson and Brian Noonan and Stephen Mateau and uh, Greg Gilbert and Joey Kosher and I mean, Jay Wells and Dougie Lidster. And yeah. I mean, all these guys that were, were, you know, real important parts to that team that made it work. Lawrence, I don't even think I've ever really had this discussion with you, uh, no matter how many beers we shared, but just that the decision to voluntarily shut down 884 consecutive hockey games. And now we've watched over the last few years, guys like Yendel, um, hit hit a mark, all-time mark, and now recently Phil Kessel. Um, did you did you follow their their paths to the the top? And did it remind you of what you went to and and the decision to just again uh, shut it down on your own, unlike uh, an injury? Uh, yeah, I mean I followed it uh, for quite some time, and I mean it, it's it's. Uh... I'm happy that Phil Kessel, <laughs> I guess we kind of have the same hockey body. <laughs> so, Yeah, just, but you I didn't avoid I, contact like he did. Well, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think you can play that many games and, and play that long in the NHL without having contact. I mean, he's a smart player. He's a goal scorer. He's extremely fast and, those guys are hard to hit. Is so, is there any part of you that that revisited? Was that a good decision or not? Or what kind of number could I have hit? Um, or it w- w- 
it, it never crossed your mind to not shut down your run? No, I never. I mean, they, no, that was not an important, you know, it wasn't an important thing at that time in my life. You know, I mean, obviously proud to play 11 years in a row without missing a regular season game and that, but at the end of the day, it was, you know, I needed a change of scenery and, uh, you know, you spend a lot of, a long time in a, in a, in one place. And, you know, it gets to the point sometimes where you're just banging your head against the wall. So, yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, it was, you, know, you, you play with a lot of guys that I first come up and played with guys like, you know, Ricky Patterson and Billy Gardner and Bobby Murray and Dougie Wilson and Brown and Troy Murray and, you know, Dennis Savard and, and then the core of your team's to change. And at some point in time, you're, you're kind of sitting in the dressing room looking around going, holy mackerel, I don't really know anybody anymore. But, uh, you know, we always had really good teams in Chicago that were were competitive. We just couldn't get out of the Western Conference with uh, Edmonton. Well, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about was looking at your career, it looks to me like you never missed the playoffs, like not a single year, I don't believe. And wanted to get your take on the regular season versus just getting into the playoffs. The, the Leafs, who we talk about every day, are a team that, you know, their their focus has changed from the regular season to the playoffs. They have to do on the playoffs, but you still have to play a regular season. You know, what what is the sort of divide, the difference in the seasons where you focus on the regular season versus the playoffs? Well, I mean, it was different back then, I think, with the, with 20 or 21 teams and 16 teams making the playoffs, right? And they, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we had, you know, two points for a win and, and there were tie hockey games back then. So there was none of this, you know, three points for an overtime win and one point for a loss. And there was none of that that could skew the standings. I don't think like they, right. like it does today. So, I mean, getting into the playoffs wasn't, uh, I think the one year in Chicago, it went right down to the last game. Uh, and I think we beat Toronto, and I think Troy Murray scored a goal with little or very little time left in the third period um, to actually, you know, seal the deal for us to get into the playoffs. But, uh, you know, I think the the brand of hockey throughout the regular season and the playoffs was kind of played the same. And I don't find that it's, I think, in almost in today's world, it's like you need two teams to play you need a, uh, a team that plays in the regular season and then you need a a big and heavy team to play in the in the playoffs because the rules kind of change a little bit i think you're talking about the toronto maple leafs if i'm not mistaken well no but i think it's the same with with a lot of teams because there's 32 teams now right so it's hard to find it's hard to find teams that where you can really have the depth that you need to uh you know, make yeah. a, a long push in the in, in the playoffs. I mean, a critical injury to one player, and you know that could screw your whole chances. So let me get this straight, Larms. You you uh, you described leaving Chicago uh, for New York as a change of scenery, and and Mike Keenan was the change of scenery that you were looking for back then. Yeah, well, I, mean, I just thought it was so cool to go from the frying pan right into the fire. So, 
No, I mean, I always had a (laughs) – I played for Mike for a long time. (laughs) He loved you because there wasn't anything not to love. He left you. Well, he, he left you alone because he knew what he was getting every night out of you. Well, there was. Well, we had our moments early on, believe me, like everybody does with him and that. And, and I think the one, th- the one thing that I learned, uh, probably about three years into it with Mike was, no matter what you do, you're never going to please him. <laughs> <laughs> so, can, so can, can, can you give us just one example? Trying. Did he did he challenge you in Chicago? Oh God. Like, threatened to trade like, you what? Oh, many times. I mean, I was part of that deal that was supposed to go to Quebec for Eric Lindros at one time. So, I mean, that stuff happened all the time back then, right? With rumors and, you know, the threat of, well, we'll just get rid of you and trade you. Or, you know, well, you won't be dressing tonight. Or you cut your ice time and stuff like that. But it's a lot different now. Why you can't hurt feelings now. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's just different. And I think after a while you learn, you know, with playing for Mike, you know, you play for your teammates and you play for yourself. And no matter what you do, you're not, you know, you're not going to please your coach. It's never perfect. Uh, you no, were pretty perfect in your career, though, pal. Well, it was a lot of fun. And I got to play with a lot of great players and I got to play against a lot of great players. Well, we got to keep pushing to get you in the Hall of Fame. I don't think there's a limit or restriction or anything like that, right? No. Nope. <laughs> I'm pushing. No, just age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pushing. Hey, Larms, thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, no problem, Kipper. And it's always good to talk with you. NHL great Steve Larmer. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, his... Uh... He was He was the... Uh, Friggin' Swiss Army, Army knife of any mm-hmm. team, any time. Knew exactly what you were going to get from him. Yeah. Uh, ugh, just 200-foot game. I got, in the 80s, I remember uh, Yari, of course, was mm-hmm. Yari, and he scored like a gazillion goals. But as far as right-wingers were concerned, mm-hmm. like he, he was right up there with – all the greats in, in the 80s yeah. with Chicago. His, 40, 40 goals? Yeah, oh, I mean, over and over and over again. You know, it's like 45, 43, 35, 46, 31, 41, 43, yeah. 31, 44. Like, it's just rookie, a bang, bang, bang. R- rookie of the year. Rookie of the year with 43 and 47 right. for 90. Uh, Stanley Cup final, uh, a Stanley Cup uh, championship, uh, all-star, all-star games, uh, Canada yeah. Cups. Yeah, more than a point per game um, in the Canada Cup. I... I like this guy, you know. Again, I'm I'm not a, a Hall of Fame expert here. I never claimed to be. This is probably the most I've talked in 25 years. The good of news is after today, that's it. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> uh, he was an impactful yeah. player yeah. in his day. Did he have Castle's body, like he said? Kinda. <laughs> That's a long pause if the answer was no. <laughs> Kinda. Yeah. I mean, you get, you get guys that could play like that, and I often think they're better off the way they're built. Yeah. You know? Try to- but he, his his wall play, it was phenomenal. Yeah. This guy, you could, you could fire a puck up around his eyes. You can ring it around, and he was in a split second going to have it on his stick mm-hmm. and out of the zone. Yeah. 
that's a true ability. You know, being able to tame a tame a puck and have control and I think that's probably the hardest play, one of the hardest plays in hockey. You know, I was a winger. With, I was a winger, with, and I, with, I regret not practicing it more. With six three barreling down. Well, that's there's always someone coming, someone coming down. Like, it is a true gift as a as a winger. So, yeah. So I looked up that goal, that Troy Murray goal. See if I could. I just YouTubed uh, Troy Murray goal versus Toronto Maple and it was actually an OT, the goal that oh, he scored, really? and it secured them into the playoffs in 1989. Wow. And Todd Gill absolutely coughs it up in overtime in the slot to Troy Murray. <laughs> Just like, a brutal uh, giveaway. A Jake Gartner, uh, well, Gartner well, moment. Well, Troy Murray made a good play. He kind of hooked it off of him, but he makes a bad stop, and it's he shoots it in the net. But. That year, they went fairly deep. That was was that 80... 89. 88, 89? Yep. So, yeah, they he played 16 playoff games that year. Like, that, uh, then getting in, and then they, they had some run after that. So, there you go. 140 playoff games. Kipper, guys love you, man. I have to say, anytime I text one of your old teammates, they're like, anything for a camper. <laughs> <laughs> See, you just make sure everybody's happy. It's me because I grew up in the restaurant business, and it's like, what do you need? What do you need? <laughs> Refill your water, sir. What do you need? Yeah. Do what you got to do. And you, like yeah. to, and you like to eat everybody's food, too. So that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's part of the, you're checking out Derek yeah. Brandeo's bread that he's bringing to his family. You wanted to eat that, too. So. <laughs> well, hey. he brings me tarts. <laughs> I assume that he brought bread. With the first thing I see <laughs> is bread. He's a loaf. He's just <laughs> buttering he's got, it in the back. <laughs> he's got three loaves. I'm like, hey, uh, did you bring any cheese? <laughs> Where's the charcuterie? Uh, exactly. Derek knows where his bread is just buttered. spoiled, uh, rotten. That's what uh, he's done for us. Hey, when we were talking to Colby, um, <laughs> he was talking about um, communication on the ice and talking to yeah. your, your teammates and all that. And I, I was reminded of Luke Fox telling us that other coaches were asking Luke and people around, like, are they always this quiet about the Leafs? Yes. About this current Leafs team. Yeah. And it can be tough to get a team yeah. going. I, I know uh, yeah. I roomed with a guy. But, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say just on that, it, the, the general feeling is when you're not chirpy and you're uh, not kind of freewheeling and having fun, it's because you're uptight. Up, but you're also a little pissed off. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a little bit of a. We've played a lot of hockey and we're tired and you're leaving us out in the ice a little longer and then you're leaving the ice and you're telling us to go with our uh, our skills coaches and go work on this and you mm-hmm. know they're just there it wasn't a good not time as fun not not as fun and that's that's the number one thing you know your team's not feeling good or feeling uh like like oh, yeah, having coaches fun. love to hear the noise love to hear the chit chat i know uh my my college roommate Last name is Cronchnobel, Charlie Cronchnobel. Shout out to him. The uh, his junior coach said they used to do a drill. They used to have to yeah. call their own last name yeah. when they wanted the puck, and when they wouldn't call, they would make them sit in the penalty box and yell their last name for two minutes. He said he'd be sitting in the, in the penalty box going Cronchnobel, Cronchnobel, oh like because the coach trying to drive this home. Like talk, talk, yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. Coaches love it when they get a vocal team, but you yeah. need a happy team. Well, and and Charlie. Sheldon's trying to find that uh, that fine line between, uh, you know, are you too satisfied? Are you too happy? I'm going to make it tough for you if you don't do what I ask or produce. And that's that's the challenge of a head coach. And that's the challenge of the players to say, I don't want to be as miserable as we are now. So let's dig ourselves out of this thing. So yeah. you, you think it's a happiness thing about talking on the ice? I do. I think if you're in a great mood and you're in practice and you're in good spirits, it's a lot of, yeah, yeah, hey. And you're some guys, guys just aren't chappy, though. Uh, no. Or, that's, you that's, know, they're just not chatty. There's, 
definitely a personality of a team. Yeah, like, yeah I thought if you're kind of quiet off the ice, you're quiet on but the you ice. Have if you're loud to. off the ice, you're loud but on the ice. No, but even if you're a quiet guy, you need to communicate on the ice. Oh, you need to no. call for pucks. You need to let your teammate right. know where you're at, you know, support. But yep, that, quick. That, I don't like that, that they're quiet on the ice. No, I don't either. It's not good. That's telling to me. I, I feel similar. Use your ears, your eyes, and your eyes, your ears. Yeah, and your I mean, teammates, are your eyes, because you can only look this way, you know, by and large. So, particularly I, breakouts, I that, coming uh, out of the zone, low support as a center, letting your winger know that they can trust to kick it to the middle blind, release points, all that. Yeah. You get on a roll here, you naturally get uh, a little chattier. That's just the way it works. Yeah. You know who's chatty right now? Tell me. Uh, New Jersey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know who's chatty right now? <clears throat> Jack Hughes. Oh, the devils! The <laughs> so, you know... Hopefully some people are our age do, watching do or listening a, to our show. Do we have a non-Leaf Kipper Clipper right now? We do. Oh, Whoa. see, that's nice. That's it's out of the bullpen right now. Yeah, we have another... You want to hear it? Yeah, it's Jack Hughes describing, uh, you know, what kind of kind of run they're on. What can the Devils do to gain a little bit more consistency throughout those full 60 minutes? I mean, we're on a nine-game heater. I'd say we're doing okay. <laughs> Roll my eyes at that. Roll my eyes. Like We're on a nine-game heater. heater. We're on a heater. Like, thanks, Shorzy. Go back to Letterkenny. You know what that reminded me of so much? Uh. Is not to go back to our core of our first few weeks of our show, which no one will ever listen to again. Thus, talking about all or nothing, yeah, and having the leadership meaning, and Joe Thornton's in there, and he's like, "What are we talking about? We're in first place." I know, and that's yeah. See, that, I thought of Bull first, Durham. Bull Durham. Yeah, have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, long time ago. Okay. Please uh, don't ask me. Tim to Robbins plot points. is the pitcher. Yeah, and now you got the the veteran coming up, which is uh, Kevin Costner. And he's trying to instruct him. Mm-hmm. And then he goes, uh, this is on the mound. And then he's like, then he goes back to catching. And he's like, what does he know? I, I drive a Porsche. <laughs> that's that's a, huge right there. That is. That's, what yeah, do you know? We're listen, on a in Hughes' defense, you don't want to hear about lacking consistency when you've won nine straight hockey games. And you games. are just beating the barn doors off everyone yeah you are blowing but the opposition away not that i'm super thrilled with that cocky uh uh nine game heater comment but like can you phrase the question a little better can you just ask uh, something that's a little deeper than you know uh what do you need to be more consistent i mean we've been pretty consistent. Yeah, I mean, well, we're, that's we're a nice on a nine-game right? heater. I'd say we're doing okay. I'd say we're doing okay. My, say we're doing okay. my mom, my mom a, used to say to me punk. all the time growing up, just she was like, you can play hockey. Just don't be a hockey player. Just don't be a hockey player. That's such a hockey player answer to me, where you're just like, minimize someone. I don't just know like, if I'm insulted by that. <laughs> just a touch. Well, you, you know, do you know what she means? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Oh, that's I know. That's the hockey player <laughs> yeah. comment. Yeah, we're on a nine-game heater. We're doing all right. We don't need your help, thanks. Anyway, sorry. I didn't like it. <laughs> and I know everyone thinks it's funny. Okay. <laughs> oh. Here's, oh, yeah. here's, no, I get that. here's the, the thing that he's got to remember is like a, a nine-game heater could turn into a six-game. Yeah. She should ask him the exact question if they lose five in a row. fast in this league. A, a seven-game pooper can come up a pretty quick. big pooper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Notice you guys are on a uh, right? yeah, 
Six game freezer. You want to talk to <laughs> Doug Armstrong and uh, you know even Sabers have lost Buffalo. five in a row. The great Buffalo Sabers, my Sabers, best Your team. Sabers. They're coming in Saturday night. Looking pretty good. And next thing you know, uh, you go from hey, we can maybe trade for some help down the road to like uh, no, we maybe we're help maybe, maybe we're not that good. Maybe Playoffs. maybe we're still like Playoffs. You can- it's funny that the Leafs have the Devils and the Sabres coming up, and it's like, boy, a couple of the fastest teams in the league. Look out, and you're not joking. Like, really, a couple of the fastest, best teams. I mean, I understand the Sabres this are is scuffling. Be a my word of the week. Very good challenge for, like, a Giordano and a Jordy Ben. What Thursday you know, night. 22 minutes the other night. 22 minutes. Yeah, for old Gio. I think we are underselling how big of a loss TJ Brody is for two weeks. Yeah. Like, because we talk so little about him. Because you don't need to. It was he the just, Zach Hyman effect. You don't just, even talk about him because he's just good every day. You talk so little about him, but to me, he's going to be a guy that you really... You don't notice him when he's there, but boy, you're going to notice him when he's not there. Like, as early as tonight. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm concerned about him being out for a while. And obliques are tricky, too. They don't heal. It's not linear. Yeah, like, it totally can be one of those injuries that that's like, lingers. done nothing for two weeks, yeah. and it's still the same as it was two weeks. Well, it's the same thing that Tavares had, right? Yeah, but it's also the same thing that Brett Laurie used to have, and he'd be out for like six months. So it, it just it, <laughs> so maybe Red Bull's not baseball. the cure. For baseball, it's a bit of a different thing. I understand. No, I, they they play hard too sometimes, but they're swinging with their oblique. Well, so yeah, that is a little a bit more full. of a. But no, but then I just, again, not that different. I don't want to undersell time. undersell that with Brody. Yeah, <laughs> Brody can just pass it out of the D zone. Give it to the great Justin. This Hall. is. This is where they're going to over-ask on Giordano. 100%. You know that's coming, right? I do know that. Let's do his game for time on ice. There's so much to love about him, but you worry about putting him in a position where he cannot succeed. Mm -hmm. We have a clip of the head coach talking about trying to fill in for Brody. Good producing. Good producing. Let's do it. Yeah, it's, it's not just Gio. I, you know, I think we've we've been leaning on him since the start of the season. Anytime you have a guy with his experience uh, and his demeanor and just how hard he plays, you're going to lean on that. I don't know if we can lean on it any more than than uh, we have been, or and then we will continue to, you know, you know, need him um, no matter who's in or out of the lineup. Uh, I think it's more about the whole group. Everybody's going to have to, you know, step up and play a little bit more and play in a little bit different situations, a little bit different matchups, all these kind of things. Obviously, Jordy Ben who was uh, was a very big part of our win the other night and came into our lineup and, and made a real impact, uh, not just on the ice but in the room as well. So those are very positive things. That's, you know, why you... You add, uh, you know, a depth player like like him with that level of experience. So, you know, if you're in a situation where you need him and, and he comes in, that he can make a difference. So, you know, we've we've got experienced guys like that. We've got young guys like Sandy Lilligren that are always looking for more and, and want more opportunity, and and they're going to get that. See, all I got out of that was we're going to squeeze Gio until his head pops off. Although the GM yesterday <laughs> did say that Sandine and Lilligren, he wanted to test them to see if they're ready to handle more. Yes. Until they can't, and then you <laughs> back off the minutes immediately. When is the test uh, officially start and when it's over? That's what I want to know. Because when we did those tests in high school, they go, 
uh, go and then uh, yeah. stop? Well, you, that's a great question because if they do do poorly immediately, do they stick with it long enough to see if they can figure it out yeah. as a pair? Here's a question to you about, you know, you asked me about utilization before, you know, where do you put this line over the boards? When do you put Sandine and Lilligren on the ice? Is it in the D zone? No. Is it in the O zone? Well, that's probably going to Riley in his pair. I, I don't know. Just like, how do you utilize that group? What do they do? What would you say? Well, I, again, it's situational, right? Mm-hmm. So I would assume that uh, judging by the way Lilligren has shot the puck, uh, I'd give him probably as much leeway as I might buy into your theory of, uh, you know, not with Matthews mm-hmm. offensive, but with <laughs> yeah. Marner or with uh, Morgan. Yeah, yeah, you don't get all the offensive faceoffs. Yeah, we're gonna make you play your own end once in a while. And I, I again, for me, Morgan Riley's key is less is more. Mm-hmm. Once this, once he falls into that, I uh, gotta, I gotta be a difference maker. Like on this particular shift, You're then he gets himself caught. Yeah, I think that the contract is probably nice insurance that, like, if you finish the year with zero goals and 40 assists, we'll take it. You know, as long as you play steady defense, don't worry about points. But looking at tonight, it, you're, you're looking at Riley and Jordy Ben as a pair, Giordano and Hall and Sandine and Lilligren. You know, there's no way to put a pair out there that doesn't make yeah. you a little uncomfortable. Ben makes you a little uncomfortable. Giordano ben, and Hall. Has Ben good for 17, 18 minutes again tonight? Well, that wasn't the plan, well, but with, it's going to be. With Morgan, he, he will be. Yeah. If he's good or not, he's getting it. Yeah. Can he, Unless can he they, find a nice sweet spot just to watch Morgan's back as he starts jumping up? Yes. And that maybe there's some sort of comfort in that for him that he gets to be that. Like, he doesn't need to cross the center red outside of standing on the blue and the pucks in the ozone. But he otherwise, he can just... I don't know. He's on a one-game heater right now. <laughs> I'd say we're doing, pretty, we're doing okay. Doing all right. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> they were doing okay. <laughs> oh, oh, God. He's a goal scorer now. Yeah. He is. By the way... It was good presence of mind, you know, to roll down to the front of the net instead of clogging it up up there. Maybe he's got some instincts. I, this just screams out to me as like the you know, everyone's. We talk about these guys who have good games and feel like it could turn pretty quick here. Majority, yeah. you know, I feel like it could turn. Well, <laughs> the, it's just now you are without Brody. Now you are and Muzzin. You are paper thin back there. Yeah. Well, and without. Crawl and Mete and Dahlstrom, who I don't know. Those are guys that they thought would be their depth, right? To some extent. Yeah. They're still there. Yeah. So, you know, they're on to however, whatever you consider Ben in the in the order. They're, they're definitely at a thin point right now. They need some bodies back. But still, I don't know with all their bodies if it's that much better. You know, I know Brody obviously makes it better, but I, I just don't think this decor's done. Sandine and Lilligren will find out what they become this year, but needs more. Hey, well, what do you got? You got some no, intel? No, though? no. They, they, no you, are they going to make a trade, yeah. do you think? Yeah, Is Chikrin yeah, still on the table? Yeah, well, Chikrin's going to... He returns this week. He's going to be in a position where Arizona will probably take this as far as they can. And try to drive up the price. 
I just don't think and he helps the Leafs compared the further, to... The further they go along, the, and teams get desperate. Yeah. And you hope that someone matches uh, your ask or or overpays to, to beat someone else out. Now, I don't know. I, Chikrin may not be it. May, they may yeah. not want to go that deep on on a Jacob Chikrin. And uh, I think it's too early now for, for teams to now know exactly what they have and what they're willing to give up. It's just yeah. it's, there's, there's no market out there for D. You know, like I'm looking at Dmitry Kulikov in Anaheim. He's 32, 6'1", 201 pounds there. They're struggling. Would he be available? I know he's a left-shot guy. I know Scott Mayfield comes up as a, from the Islanders once in a while. I just, I'm looking for the Leafs, like where they could find someone. Would you, uh, like, Mayfield is a right-handed shot with the Islanders. Yeah. I've liked them for a long time, but yeah. they're, they're, they're rolling now. They're not going to give him up. No, why would they? No, you're 100% right. He's 6'5", 220, 30 years old. Shoots right. Right shot. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of good things. They're going to be in the playoffs. Seems like a guy you might want in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, he's probably not all that available. Yeah, and I'm sure Lou would give Kyle. This is the thing. I'm sure is that Kyle would give, Lou would give Kyle a great deal. You need to trade from, like, the bottom half of the teams who don't think that they're going to be contenders, and the bottom half of the teams have very few good D, and the ones they do have are part of the long-term plans to turn things around. Like, the... The list shrinks a lot when you start going, okay, well, give me names. You know, that's when it gets real tight. You know who Lou quietly uh, improved his hockey club with is Romanov, Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, yeah, good point. That gave him, like, I don't know, it's hard to explain to people, like, knowing that you got to go through that guy Every time you play the Islanders now, it well, he's, changes. He's, he's someone who runs India. Oh, no. He's a guy that, uh, if you're not careful, he's he's going to take a real good run at you. How's well, he's good? Like, Ryan, that Ryan Pollock is effective. Adam Pellick is one of the it, un- more underrated. Pellich's, it's yeah. That blue line's changed now yeah, with Romanov. Yeah, having another guy there. Noah Dobson's great. And Mayfield, Sebastian Ajo. Sorokin's kind of getting talked a little bit about. Like, uh, you, you, we built up Shesterkin with the Rangers. Yeah. Sebastian yeah, Ajo. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, there's two Sebastian Ajo's. <laughs> yeah, I think it's one letter different in Sebastian. Yeah. Hey, do we have to apologize to the Winnipeg Jets, guys? Maybe. I'm not ready to do that yet. Yeah, I'm also oh, not. Oh, really? No, no I'm not. Uh, if we're in a fight with them, then good. we're still Nine, in a four fight. 9-4-1. And, yeah, I think someone chirped me that uh, their turnaround uh, started... <laughs> Uh, the moment I said that uh, you're not going to recognize this team in like 18 months. <laughs> <laughs> it still could be true. Even if they do well, they still could be true. Yeah, I I still think we're right. I, you know, the Jets, I don't. That's a show out there. <laughs> Who was that? It sounded like uh, Maurice. Is it Paul Maurice? Yeah. You know, they've they've obviously been rolling along pretty well here. Um, you know, they got Anaheim and Pitt, some teams coming up, but after that it gets harder for them. Carolina, Minnesota, Dallas, Colorado, like they'll they'll hit a patch here. I think. Be a team I bet against a little bit because they start getting some favorable odds. How's uh Hellebuck's been really good, eh? Yeah, another Vesna contender year for him. I mean, that makes the world the difference. You get more saves than the opposition. That's So who's the best team in Canada then? I don't think they have one. <laughs> they, the country of Canada. They? I don't I, think we, don't we have, have one. Uh, well, They're so on your their choices, own on that. you're down to four teams. You can either pick Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, or Winnipeg. 
Okay. Because you can't pick Ottawa, Montreal, or Vancouver. Who do you think has the best chance to win the cup? Uh, Colorado? <laughs> In <laughs> no, Canada, no. Oh, Kipper. Oh, my gosh. Calgary. Calgary? Calgary. Yeah, Calgary. That's the Leafs. Calgary. Leafs. Problem it's the, Leafs. Is, the problem is the Leafs' path, not the Leafs' team. If the Leafs are in the Pacific, I'd probably agree with you. Yeah, maybe the Leafs should drop down to be a wild card and then I'm sorry, in the other Did region. we not just have a conversation with their blue line for 10 minutes? And... Yeah, but they'll get guys back and they'll make a trade. <laughs> can, can I, t- I do think there's a trade coming. Can I tell you what concerns me most about What would you trade for Maplers? right now? Just another Labushkin? What, tell me what would your... Uh, acquisition look like on the blue line is this hampus lindholm available again <laughs> you know someone you're talking about a major impact in all seriousness well yeah i am i am talking about that because i but don't you don't get lindholm unless you trade willie no well i'm oh not doing God. that well can well, he how do you how do you, you, you lindholm is a mule yeah right Lind... you, how do you think you're gonna get a one or two defenseman horses <laughs> Where are yeah. you going to get horses from? Well, can I trade them my first and my prospects? Can can they take Matthew Nyes in a first or something instead of taking Willie during our cup run here? They need another Muzzin okay. trade. Here's right. what concerns with that, the Leafs. That's expensive. Expected- that's expensive, but uh, I see where you're going. I see what you're doing there. Uh, I worry they don't produce, though. This is, is not the is offensive it, Leafs it, of, of old. Is it Klingberg in Anaheim? Ooh. Is that your Nyes? No. No. No, because they also need a little bit of bite, a little bit of... I know I'm creating a mythical player here. I don't know. you you got to throw me a name. He's when like, you're, ah, when you're, when, when you're Pronger in 04. Perfect. Yeah, can, can we get right? him? Yeah. When, when, you're, when you speak of him, I you got to give me a name. Mm. Patrick Kane. <laughs> Ryan Pollock from the Islanders again. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's tough. I get the point. That it's just not available, and that's trouble. Yeah, you're gonna your homework tonight. Okay, is to find me a name. Yeah, I imagine the Leafs are also doing that homework and seem to be struggling at it. The Leafs are in the bottom half of the league in terms of expected goals for Ekholm, Nashville. Yes, now yes, love Ekholm. Every game I've watched him play, I'm like, I love that guy. But she was a Leaf. So we just need. Nashville's tanking it. Really suck. Okay, but didn't he just sign a big deal? Probably. I think yeah, but that's that's the the commitment that you make where you you just you move money out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there What's is. What's he making at home? Is it over five? Six point two five. That's Willie, boys. <laughs> Three more years after this. No, as well. that's Willie. No, because it actually... no, you got to move Willie's money out. No, you no, don't to, to make it work or Muzzin's. Yeah. yeah, and yep. then Muzzin's done. Muzzin, you you're retiring, Muzzin. Yeah, okay. He's Ro- Robidoff treatment yeah. for him. All right, then that's it. Okay, we don't need to move Willie out because we're just going to take Muzzin's money and give it to him. Oh, uh, it's see, this is the thing: is easy game. It's easy. It's easy. We just fixed it. What's, what are the Leafs doing? You're welcome, Kyle. <laughs> What's your shot? Give me What's a score? shot, right? I want to say just give some love to Brandon Hagel right now, who in Tampa Bay. Remember they traded everything for him. Yeah. yeah, he's producing and he's making $1.5 million. He's going to score 30 times this year for one5 Give me a score tonight, Sammy. 5-2 Penguins. Whoa. L- uh, they lose tonight? No, no. 4-1 Leafs. Let's go. 4-1. Yeah.
I'll take uh, the Leafs in overtime. 3-2. Love it. Okay. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Steve Larmer, Colby Armstrong. We're back tomorrow, as always. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Real Kipper and Bourne. Thanks, everybody.